Anyway, we're getting back into uh, Philippians today. Our, our text is uh, Philippians three seventeen four through 1. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, I want to talk about this guy. His name is uh, Atul Gawande. He was a, a distinguished is a distinguished Harvard surgeon and and author, and uh, he argues that everyone needs a coach. Everyone needs a coach. After working eight years as a surgeon, he realized that uh, his operating room success had kind of reached a a plateau. And soon after he uh, realized that, he he attended a medical meeting and had an afternoon free, and he tried to uh, track someone down to play tennis with him. And finally, he went to a local tennis club and was told that he could practice his uh, ground strokes only if he paid for a, a lesson and, and hit with a club pro. And he, he writes what happened next. Uh, he was in his early 20s. A, a re- this was the, the tennis pro. He was in his early 20s, a recent graduate who had uh, played on his college team. He says, we hit back and forth for a while. He went easy on me at first and started running me around. I served a few points, and the tennis coach in him came out. He said, you know, you could get more power in your serve. And I was dubious. Uh, My serve had always been the best part of my game. But I listened, and he had me pay attention to my feet as I served, and I gradually recognized that my legs weren't really underneath me when I swung my racket up into the air. My right leg dragged a few inches behind my body. Within a few minutes of tinkering, he'd added at least 10 miles an hour to my serve. And not long afterward, uh, Gawande was watching tennis star Rafael Nadal playing a tournament match on TV, and the, the camera flashed to his coach. And the obvious struck me as interesting. Even Rafael Nadal has a coach. Nearly every elite tennis player in the world does. But doctors don't. I would paid to have a kid just out of college look at my serve, so why did I find it inconceivable to pay someone to come into my operating room and coach me on my surgical technique? Coaching operates from the premise that no matter how well prepared people are in their formative years, few can achieve and maintain their best performance on their own. And we see uh, in today's text that the Apostle Paul knew that uh, we need coaches as we live the Christian life. Uh, Watch me, he he said. Let me give you some pointers. And uh, we, we learn, we learn by seeing the truth lived out and modeled. You know, we learn by imitation. We, you know, some things are caught, not taught. Some things are caught and taught. But sometimes I think we we become self-reliant in our, our Christian lives. We, you know, when it comes to uh, our spiritual walk, our spiritual growth, we, we can tend to be individualistic and, uh, you know, feeling like maybe there isn't much to be learned from uh, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, after all, we, we have more resources available to us than Christians have had at in any period of history, you know, with uh, with one click, you can you can order just about any book that's ever been written. With with another click, you can watch your favorite preacher or, or pastor. 
alive or, or dead. You know, we, ha- we have an embarrassing wealth of information always at our, our fingertips. But I think what's missing is, is the personal touch. You know, somebody, somebody who will, will spend the, uh, the time and the, and the effort and the energy, you know, the self-sacrifice to work with you, work with us. What's missing in us, I think, a lot of times is the desire to, to seek out such a person to help us. Let's read our text, Philippians three seventeen through 4, 1. Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have, also, I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we uh, open up your word, I, I just ask that you would uh, let it penetrate, penetrate deeply into our, our hearts and our minds. Lord, give us, uh, give us a desire to, to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to look at you know, three things in, in this passage. Uh, you know, first, we need to follow the example of godly people whose, whose citizenship is in heaven and, and will help you to stand firm in the Lord. So in following the example of godly people, you know, how do we, how do, we do this? How do we find a good example to, uh, to imitate, as, as Paul says? You know, who, who might we go to? You know, every, every one of us is flawed. And we're not going to find the perfect person aside from Christ. Remember, Paul himself even had said earlier in this chapter that... Uh, he had not ta- attained perfection yet. You know, he was still in the process of growing and maturing and pressing on toward the mark. Remember, and this is what he said in verse thing. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. You know, so a good starting point in finding a person as an example, you know, is to find someone who is not only well along in the Lord, but somebody who is striving, someone who is pressing forward towards the mark, someone who is striving to keep on in that, in that process of, of maturity. You know, Paul says uh, very simply in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, a parallel passage, he says, imitate me, or excuse me, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You know, Paul, I don't think is so much saying in this passage, be, be like me, be a, be a little Paul. I want a whole bunch of little Pauls around here. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, 
Be like me as I seek to be like Jesus. Follow my example. Take this journey with me, with the Lord. We need to seek out a person who is seeking to imitate Christ as Paul did. And Paul says we need to, we need to keep eye, our eyes on these people. Keep your eyes on those who serve as good examples. Watch them. Observe their behavior. Listen to how they speak. You know, do their actions reflect uh, biblical principles? Uh, do, you, do you see a person who is just constantly striving to be conformed to the image of Christ? You know, does this, does this person demonstrate the, uh, the attitude of Christ that Paul talked about earlier in the book? You know, this, this according to Paul, is, is an attitude of humility. Remember, Christ humbled himself, came down, became one of us, Came obedient to death on the cross. Uh, is is this person someone who who bears the fruit of the spirit? You know, love, joy. What are what are what are some other ones? Peace, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Paul says, "Watch this person. Watch him." Observe how they live. You know, nobody's going to be a perfect example, but, you know, there are those to whom we can look. Uh, Obviously, there were in Philippi, because the way Paul said this, he said to join with those who are looking to him and others as examples. Now, why does Paul say, keep your eye on this person? He he goes on to say that uh, there are many who should not be imitated. There are many who are, are... not good examples, uh, not not just a few, but but many. He says, "That's pretty sobering." You know, Paul Paul gets emotional here. You know, he says with tears. He says there there are those who walk as enemies of the cross. Uh, many people who who live in opposition to the uh, the redemptive work of Christ. The people who bring discredit upon Christ and His cause, uh, you know this. This would, excuse me. This would include people who reject Christ outright, people who uh, are saved, but uh, you know feel that they can live the Christian life apart from the power of, of the Holy Spirit, who was sent. Uh, you know, Paul continues to describe bad examples. You know, he that this person is given to uh, selfish desires and, and appetites. You know, examples uh, abound. Is this does this person live for Christ or does this person live for for self? Uh, what what drives and, and motivates this person? You know, if if it's not if it's not the glory of Christ, watch out. That's not a good person to uh, to watch and 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 imitate. Paul says their glory is the shame. You know, it's it's easy to find bad examples in the world, isn't it? Just look at look at the television. Look at the internet. There, there are people whose lives are spinning out of control. So celebrities whose lives are, are utter train wrecks. You know, living uh, in in excess and. Uh, Drugs, sex, rock and roll, you know, reckless lives, and, and they take pride in it. They, they glory in their shame. 
Well, Paul says there's no value in, in imitating these people. And, you know, I've known, I've known people in the workplace who come in Monday morning and brag about their exploits, you know, brag about their, their weekend of drinking and, and such. You know, are, are these the kind of people Paul's talking about? Perhaps. Definitely not good people to imitate, but, uh, you know, these people that Paul's talking about are, are in churches too. You know, there, there are good example and bad examples in, in churches. Uh, in, in Acts 20, Paul talks to the elders in, in Ephesus as, as he's leaving and he, and he warns of such people. He, he says in, uh, Acts 20, 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and from among your own selves. Will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. You know, these people, Paul is talking about. Uh, they're, you know, they seek to gather followers after themselves. They, they, they're they're wolves in, in sheep's clothing. And uh, Paul says their glory is their shame. They're they're proud of the way they are. Now I knew this. I knew this guy, and he's not here. Doesn't live in this state, so try to figure out who it is. You haven't you haven't met him, but he said he said to me something along these lines. I'm a person who's really hard to get along with. He says I know that I've driven people out of this church, and he said, but that's the way God made me. This is the way God wired me, and I'm happy with the way I am. His glory was was his shame. Boasting and having no no intention of, of, of changing. Well, Paul says their minds are on earthly things. Earthly things. What's Paul talking about here? Of course, we all live on, on earth. Uh, we we see things around, you know, every, everything we do has, you know, our, our hands are here, our feet are on, on the earth. Uh, but, you know, Paul in Colossians 3, 2 set, says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You know, we are in the world. We're not of the world. We've talked about this before. We need to keep our eyes focused on Christ. We need to, we need to keep that, that eternal perspective. Walking with the Lord, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, praying constantly. I think Dan mentions Something about that, just a second of him. So, you know, for those of us who've been walking with God for some time, we need to know that people watch us. People watch us. So we need to be a good example our, ourselves, right? Uh, you know, we need, to, we need to ask ourselves, what, how would I feel... What would it be like if, if there was somebody here in this church who decided they were going to imitate me, that they were going to act the way I acted, that they were going to say the kind of things that I said, that they were going to be the way I am? Does that make us feel uneasy? I'm, I'm cer- certainly a deeply flawed person, and you know that, that does give me a reason to pause. Knowing that that eyes are on me, you knowing that eyes are on you. This is especially uh, important for for parents, isn't it? 
You'd be amazed at the kind of things your your kids will pick up from you. <laughs> the expectation is high. That's that's the point. Anyway, though Paul warns of negative examples, he doesn't dwell on that a lot. He he gets now to the kind of person we should imitate. And as we imitate this kind of person, this is the kind of person we need to be. These are the attitudes we need to have. First, he says we're, we're citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. Verse 20, our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Remember, we, we looked at this earlier a couple chapters back in a, in a previous sermon where, where Paul said to uh, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Walk in a manner that shows your, your, where your citizenship really is. You know, we need to live, live our lives with a, with a certain perspective a present perspective but it's also a future perspective i was i was talking with a person a couple weeks ago in in colorado a person who has uh, walked away from the the faith very critical of christians and christianity very critical i guess really of the christianity that he perceives you know, Christianity as, as he sees it, as he understands it. And his, his view of Christianity is, is very largely influenced by the uh, Christians who he has met and talked to and, and has observed. Yeah, I want to again stress the importance of, of living in a manner where we're working out our faith, we're living our faith in a, in a worthy manner. Also knowing what God's word actually says. One of, the, one of his criticisms was, he said, well, you know, one of, the, one of the main problems I have with Christians is they look forward only. And they neglect what's going on in their lives right now and, and the people around them right now. He said, some of the, some of the meanest people I know are, are Christians. And, uh, I mean, broke my heart to to hear this. He says, Christians only care about the future. You know, they don't live well in the present. They they give no thought to how important right now is. They they can't enjoy life right now and take care of things right now. Well, I don't agree with his assessment. That's not the Christianity we find in the Bible. You know, maybe it's true some Christians are like this and have this perspective, but... You know, the present matters very much. Jesus came to give us an abundant life, right? Our eternal life starts when we are born again. You know, Christians are not meant to be miserable people. Christians are meant to be joyful people, right? Christians are, are to be good stewards of the resources, the, the gifts that, that God has, has given them in, in the current time. Uh, you know, our, our, little, our little corner of creation, God has put us 
here now to take care of. You know, Christians of, of all people should be the, the most loving, the most caring of all. But I told him we are, it, it is true, we are forward looking as well. You know, there's, there's something to be said about hope. If not, then what we see right here is all there is. So that, that hope is very important. You know, we, we live on earth. It matters how we live today, but uh, we also look forward in, in great anticipation. You know, our, our future hope doesn't allow us to live irresponsibly today. And why do we have that hope? Because we have Christ. He's our, he's our solid rock. If we put our faith in anyone else or anything else, we're, we're fools. We're the most miserable of all people. You know, in, in our lives, in our families, in every context, we need to, uh, to seek him and, and commit to him. That forward look Paul talks about right here, he says, from heaven, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our, our hope extends from the present into the future, to eternity. One day we're going to be like him, like Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to understand he might come at any moment and we need to be ready. He says, uh, you know, it's not for us to know the, the times or the seasons. You know, our, our statement of faith, uh, the evangelical, evangelical Church of America's statement of faith, says the coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy and as our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic mission. I love that constant expectancy, knowing that he could come right now. He could come before this service is over. What a glorious thing that would be. And remember what Jesus said when he was talking to his disciples about his return, uh, Luke 12, 35 through 37. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Let's be awake. Our blessed hope, that, that is our motivation for service. You know, we're, we're truly motivated to live a godly life, uh, a total love for God, a total love for others because of this blessed assurance that we have. Yeah, are we are we motivated to perform sac- sacrificial service like like this says? You know, truly, are we? You know, laying laying aside our our personal desires for for the good of others. I think we all fall short, or at least I do. Are we really fulfilling the mission that Jesus has given us to to make disciples, to be His witnesses? You know, from within this, this blessed hope, this blessed assurance, we need to be doing what Jesus gave us to do. He might come for us uh, any moment. In the meantime, our bodies are wasting away. Uh, Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also 
or will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For in this light momentary affliction, or this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. So in the meantime, some of us don't have as much hair as we used to have. You know, our, our hearing is is failing. We don't always hear when people say something to us. Uh, Chris will attest to that. You know, our, our eyesight isn't uh, what it what it used to be. And for the, for those of you young enough to not know what I'm talking about, just wait. <laughs> you know, we we have more aches and pains. Things, injuries take longer to to heal. And we realize when we reach a certain age that we are no longer invincible. You know, our our systems are running down and sometimes our systems need some major intervention. But the good news is we have an eternal perspective. We have the hope of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and glory. You know, that this life on earth is not all there is. We have the assurance that Right now, our, our inner self is being renewed, and we have the confident assurance that we are going to have glorified bodies, just like the Lord Jesus' glorified body, and all this by his power, by his power, the power that enables him to subject all things to himself for his glory. Well, this imitation of, of people, what's the end result that we may stand firm? Verse four one. Paul says, "Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, for my joy, or my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved." You know, Paul's using these terms of endearment. My brothers, he says, beloved. We we can see that he cares very very deeply for his brothers and sisters in the Lord here. They're, they're his equals. They're, his, they're members of his family. They're his, uh, it, he calls them his joy and his crown. You know, he takes delight in, the, in these people, just as we should each other. I could just imagine him as, as he's writing this, you know, probably uh, tears streaming down his face as, as he thinks about them tears of joy tears of love you know his his ministry to them has has just brought him great satisfaction great delight and i think those of us who are parents know what he's talking about you know our our, our children can do that they can give us great joy and delight can't they these folks are paul's joy and his crown you know just thinking about them gives him a great sense of accomplishment and 
great satisfaction. And, and his desire for them is that they're going to maintain their faith, that they're going to stand firm, that the work he's done with them has not been in vain. Standing firm against the enemy. You know, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 talks about standing firm. We're all familiar with this, this verse, aren't we? Take, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And uh, we're not going to look at detail into this armor of God in this sermon, but let me at least read a, a few verses here, 14 through <coughs> 19. Standing or Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. So our armor comprises truth, righteousness, Readiness in the gospel, you know, faith, salvation, uh, the word of God, and having equipped ourselves and standing firm, you know, he wraps the whole thing up into this one statement saying, pray, pray. Constant prayer is important. Being in communion with our Lord is essential. If we're not praying all the time, we don't, we don't stand a chance. You know, we, if, if, if we don't pray, it's our declaration of independence against God. It's saying that we can do it on our own. We don't need you. Um, prayer is our primary work as God's people. Uh, nothing of value can be done by us if not done in prayer. That's why it's so important for us to be calling out to God on, on behalf of our church. You know, this, remember this, this month we need to really be doubling down on our prayer and praying for the church. We need to inquire him, of him and uh, seek to ascertain his, his will for us, for the church in any, pre, any uh, future planning. Standing firm. As I was as I was writing this, I, I thought of this uh, picture that I had seen a few weeks ago. Chris and I and our, our family way back lived on the uh, Gulf Coast of Florida, uh, a little town called Mexico Beach, right on the beach there. And uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, Chris and I were driving through there to visit her parents in central Florida. We, we stopped in Mexico Beach, you know, just kind of looked around. It pretty much looked the same. You know, there were some new houses and things, but pretty much looked the same. And a year later, in the year, in the year 2018, that town was demolished by a hurricane. I don't know if anybody paid attention to that, but there was a, a hurricane, Hurricane Michael. 
And I read, I read this article recently about this guy. His name was Russell King, and he built a house there. And he built this house to withstand the big one. The walls are made out of concrete. The, uh, the, the piers, concrete piers were 40 feet long and burrowed deeply into the ground. And I saw this picture of his house standing surrounded by rubble. All the other houses around him were, were flattened, not a wall standing still. But his house was right there. The windows weren't even broken. You know, the, it, for me, that was a picture of standing firm in, in the storm. We need to be like that house. You know, we, we need to be living in, in victory in the Lord. You know, maintaining the strength and and the integrity of that house. You know, not not letting the the storms of of life blow us down. You know, as as a church, we can do that. You know, our our, our foundation is was laid by the apostles, with Jesus Christ being the the cornerstone, and we're the we're the stones that build that house. Let's stand firm as we eagerly await his return, as we're being transformed in the inner man, as, as Paul says, while we wait the transformation transformation of our lowly bodies into glorified bodies, it'll be like his. So, as, as we wrap this up, uh, you know, we need to be mindful of our own conduct. We need to uh, look for those who are good examples We ourselves need to be worthy of imitation. That's a tall order, you know. The uh, what? What are? Let's ask ourselves. What are? What are the things in our lives that uh, should be more imitatable than than they are now? You know, are we truly seeking and following the Lord? Are we? Are we people of prayer? Are we people of? of love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and goodness and kindness. We need to live in constant expectation of, of our Lord's return. And we need to stand firm. Let's pray. Father, you are you are the Lord of glory. Uh, you're, you're our creator. You're you're our friend. We we thank you for the uh, salvation that that we have in our Lord Jesus. The salvation that is available for those who respond to your your call. Uh, help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on on those who model. Your will very well conform us, Lord, to to your image, to the image of Christ. Uh, Help us, Lord, to be examples in our our families, in our workplaces, in our our school rooms. And Lord, let your word dwell richly in us as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.